decided to talk, talk about this new series called Focus, just keeping it simple. It's just called Focus. And the definition of focus is really simple and clear. It is the center of our attention and interest. It's the definition of focus, the center of our attention and interest. Now, I had a mentor uh, way back in the day. His name is uh, Monty, and uh, so this is back when I was uh, young, and I mean, we're talking about middle school and high school, and uh, he opened his home and opened his heart, he and a bunch of volunteers, and uh, they mentored a bunch of us kids, and he's still doing it today, and you, you're thinking to yourself, well, he must be very, very old, and he is very, very old, uh, but still doing his thing, mentoring young people, and he had a few what we called Monty-isms, and uh, this is one of them, and it had to do, do with focus. He basically has this equation, focus equals power. Focus equals power. And he did use the analogy of light, and Jesus uses the analogy of light, and basically the more focused light is, the more powerful it is. Right back in the day, you know, you played with a magnifying glass and sunlight, you focus that light, there's power there. A laser beam, right, on a shark's head is giving power, right, because that light is focused, and where there is focus, there is power. And he also said this, he said, what you focus on has power over your life. Absolute truth. What we focus on has power over our lives. Now, we can focus on anything we want to. It's entirely up to us, right? We have free will. We live in this big, beautiful world. We have absolute control over the things that we focus on, which means we have absolute control over what grabs our attention. We have absolute control over what power is over our lives. If we're focusing on various priorities and we're focusing on our mission, focusing on God, focusing on other people, focusing on relationships, those are the things that have power over our lives and those are the things that we can bring power to in and through our lives. So we're going to talk about focus over the next five weeks. And as we talk about focus, I want us to start right off the bat that focus is actually a learned skill. Focus is a learned skill developed through good habits. And some of you might look at that and you think, well, that sounds like a little bit of work. <laughs> uh, it is a little bit of work. So we're going to do a little bit of work over the next five weeks. We're going to go over some things that Jesus taught and some habits that Jesus told us about. And I think we're going to make a few tweaks in our lives, installing a few habits in our lives that are going to give us greater focus in life. And Jesus says, listen, if you focus on the good, your life will be full of light. And it's really up to us. We have free will, we're free agents. And so we can choose what to focus on and what we focus on will determine the course of our lives. So Jesus, as Chris has said, did talk a lot about focus. He did, if you read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see the teaching of Jesus talking time and time again about what we put our time and attention toward. I'm gonna show you just a little snippet of that in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter six. Matthew 6, 22. Jesus says this, your eye, the things we focus on, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And he's using the eye as kind of an analogy, but he's really saying what we focus our time and attention on, the things that capture our interest will determine if our life is full of light or if our life is filled with darkness. So this is critically important. And he, he uses the analogy of the eye, and so I'm kind of a, a little bit of a, of a science nerd. I focus on a lot of cosmology. I think there's some fascinating things there. So when it talks about the eye and focus, I thought, all right, let's learn about the anatomy of the eyeball. And uh, I hope you don't think this is like a science class, but it's going to be like a science class and, and really cool. I hope you're not bored to death. 
Uh, but here's the science of the eye and the science of focus. According to physics.stackexchange.com, you can bookmark that right now, one eyeball takes in over one quadrillion photons every second. A photon is a light particle that contains a quanta of energy. And one quadrillion of those, that's more than a thousand for those of you taking notes, enter, enters our eye every second. And so the cells in the back of our eye are capturing all this information, one quadrillion photons per second flooding our eyeballs that stimulates the cells in the back of our eyes. And what happens is this amazing electrophysiological signal that then creates pulses through the optic nerve into the brain, and the brain translates that as information. Now we have the information to be able to determine what we're going to focus on. As I'm looking around and all these photons are entering my brain, hitting the cells, translating to the optic nerve, capturing my, in my brain, and now my free will takes hold, and so I can now have the freedom to focus on something. And I have infinite options. I mean, even right now as I stand here, I have infinite op options to focus on. There are at least 85,000 people in this auditorium. I could focus on any one of you, right? I can focus on that wood back there. I can focus on you right there. I want to focus on my left hand. Okay, left hand. Just, just choosing to focus. And on this left hand, I am not going to be a hand model. That is disturbing. There's a lot of things I could focus on with my hand, right? There's a uh, big scar right there. I put a nail right through that thing, and there's a whole story behind that with a nail gun, and, and that finger was almost cut to the bone, and, and lots of scars and blemishes, and that's terrible. I have a wedding ring. I'm focusing on my wedding ring. It reminds me of my lovely wife who is with the kids right now, and um, there's just a million things I could focus on with this hand. Lots of wrinkles, lots and lots of wrinkles. I could focus on each one of them, right? Infinite ways we can focus. There's all of this stimuli coming into our brains and we've got to get this free will figured out to choose what I'm going to focus on. One article gives a little exercise about how our brains and our eyeballs focus and um, I'm going to ask you to do it. You don't have to. I hate when people tell me what to do in church you know, so you, know, you can just sit there or you can do this but I think it's kind of cool. Uh, without slapping the person in front of you, uh, take your thumb and extend it all the way out as far as you can and focus on your thumbnail. Your thumbnail is in focus. For those of you with or without glasses, your thumbnail is in focus. Everything else other than your thumbnail is blurry. In other words, the human brain and the human eyes can only focus on something as small as your thumbnail. That's it. That's our entire capacity to focus. Everything else is blurry. And even when you're talking to somebody, right? So look at your face the size of a thumbnail, right? That's all I can focus on. Everything else is blurry. So we have a peripheral vision of 180 degrees, so I can see my fingers moving right here. So we have a peripheral vision of 180 degrees, yet I can focus only on something the size of my thumbnail. All this information is coming in, but our brain is saying focus. When you have a conversation with somebody, you can only look at one of their eyeballs, size of a thumbnail. That's all you can focus on. The rest of their face is blurry. Now, some of you didn't know that, and you might be a little creeped out by it, but uh, now I'm haunting you for the rest of your life, and there you go. We can only focus on things the size of our thumbnail. So we have to focus. If we don't focus, we are kind of a scattered mess. And some of you might, you know, be honest with your life and think, well, I'm kind of a scattered mess, right? My life isn't very focused. There's a lot of just busyness going on in my life. I'm pushed here and pushed there and pulled here and pulled here, and my life is going in a million directions. Some of you might think my, my brain is a little unfocused. I'm just kind of all over the place in my head. 
Sometimes the noise in my head is, is just pretty overwhelming sometimes. I've got all kinds of thoughts of things that are happening. I've got some anxieties of things that I need to do. And that whole big old long list, I think about what people think of me. I think about things that are gonna go wrong. I mean, I'm not really focused if we were to be honest. And so this whole journey through the teaching of Jesus about how we focus is a journey that's gonna get us a little bit more settled. It's gonna quiet the edges of our lives. It might quiet our brains. It might quiet our emotions. It might quiet our soul to come up with this intentional plan of focus. And it's not this sterile thing. It's just gonna be this journey through the teaching of Christ on how to intentionally focus our lives. Why we should focus on certain things and how we should focus on certain things. Because as we read, what Jesus says, when your eye is good, when your focus is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. Now, we might think right out of the gate here, we might think, okay, well, Jesus is talking about focusing on the good, right? Focusing on that good. And that means Jesus is really teaching us to be positive in our thinking. Jesus wants us focusing on the good, so we should focus on the positive. And if that's what you conclude, let me just say flat out, if you're taking notes, wrong, wrong. Jesus is not saying focus only on the positive. He's not, and we'll get into that in a little bit. I'm not saying he's telling us to focus on the negative either. But I'm saying for a lot of us, we have these positive thoughts, and some of us are more positive people. Some of us, we have these negative thoughts, and some of us tend to lean a little bit more negative, right? This is neither good nor bad, but we're just wired a little different. Some of us more positive, some of us more negative. Some of our thoughts are more positive, some of our thoughts are more negative. But Jesus is calling us to focus on what is good, what is good. So we'll talk about positive thoughts, we'll talk about negative thoughts, and then we'll talk about what is really good, what's really good. Now, uh, listen, I'm a fan of positive thinking. If I were to, find, to define myself, I would say I am a moderately positive-ish person. That's how I would define myself. Now listen, I may be a negative person because no negative person thinks they're negative. <laughs> And that's just a dilemma that's out there. But I have truly sat in front of the most negative person on earth who says, well, yeah, but I'm usually a very positive person. And I wanted to just say by the shoulders, no, you're the most negative person I've ever met in my life. But that would be negative of me to do, so I just let it go. Negative people never think they're negative. So we have a little dilemma. If you're courageous <laughs> and you think you might be negative, what you might wanna do is ask people you love and you know love you, hey, do I tend to be a little negative? And just brace yourself. They're not gonna say yes because you're negative, so they're gonna get you know, a holy hell from you. But what, um, what they're gonna do is they're gonna start stuttering and look away. <laughs> That's when you know you're a negative person. Now, if you're a person who steers negative, what I'm telling you right here and today, and we'll see this today, that, that don't fight it. There's actually very good qualities that you bring to the world that we need, right? So this isn't kind of a positive-negative thing. This isn't about saying, hey, positivity is always good and negativity is always bad. No way, no way. Now, I, I could tend to lean mostly moderately positive-ish. I am not a worrier. I don't worry. Uh, my wife was here last service, and she's like, no, you don't worry about anything. Sometimes she says, if you worried a little, I might think you care a little more, but I really don't worry about anything. I don't dwell on bad things that could happen. Uh, nothing in this brain has ever thought, oh, what terrible things could happen this afternoon? It's just not even here. It's not because I've trained that. It's just, it's never been there. I generally think most everything will work out. And if something doesn't work out, I generally think either me or a team could kind of fix whatever didn't work out. 
Um, if there's a challenge, I do think we can kind of turn that into something good. And I do think in the long arc of human history, things are getting better and better and better. So I'm not one of these people who thinks things are you know, so terrible and things have never been as bad as they are now and the end times is coming tomorrow afternoon. I'm not that person. I think biblically in the long arc of history, things are getting better and better and better, even with significant challenges that clearly remain, right? So I tend to be a moderately positive-ish person. I'm a big fan of positive thinking, but I also think too much positive thinking can be negative. Too much positive thinking can be negative. Now, what do I mean by that? If our thinking is always positive, positive thinking, I gotta think positively, I gotta think, well, this thing coming up, I I gotta think positively. If I think positive, the cosmic positive forces of the world will converge and a positive thing would happen. If that's who I am, all positive, 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 and something negative actually happens, I'm ruined. I'm disillusioned. I'm disappointed, right? I get made fun of this all the time because I'm a generally moderately positive-ish person, yet I tell my kids all the time, lower your expectations. <laughs> all the time. I think it's a key to parenting. I'm not even kidding. I, I'm not even kidding you. If I had you know, energy to write a book, it might be lower your expectations because if we are realistic about the future and not just thinking positive, positive, positive all the time, we work hard to make positive things happen, but keep your expectations low. When something bad happens, you're ready. When something bad happens, you're ready. And I'm not even joking. If we're doing something, whether it's here or in personal life or private life, I will work really hard to make sure something positive happens. But in my head, I'm thinking, eh, it may or may not happen like that. I'm, I'm going to work hard. It might go, well, it might not. If it doesn't, we'll fix it, right? So when we lower expectations, we're not setting ourselves up for such disappointment. So again, we're not talking about all positive thinking. That has some problems. We're not talking about all negative thinking either. That has problems as well. We're talking about what Jesus considers to be good. Good thinking, healthy thinking, which can be realistic. Realistic in our thinking, right? Uh, Now, if you're a positive person, we love you. You are typically probably smiling more and smiles matter in this world, they really do. (laughs) Uh, You tend to be probably a little bit more upbeat Uh, If you're on a team, you're bringing some energy to the team. You're probably bringing some energy to your family. Um, You are probably the life of the party. You know, somebody goes to a a party, a gathering. You might be the person they're sort of drawn to. If you're positive, uh, you have a a very wonderful place in this world, in your home, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your church. Embrace that. Embrace that. If you tend to be a little more on the negative side, and let's just call it uh, maybe a little realist Uh, you have got an incredible place in this world as well because you're the person who is making sure there is a first aid kit in your house, right? Uh, Somebody who's always optimistic is not gonna put a first aid kit in the house because what's possibly gonna go wrong, (laughs) right? The one who leans a little bit more negative slash realistic would say, you know, somebody's probably gonna hurt themselves at some point, so let's get the kit. If you're leaning a little more, you know, negative, uh, the zombie apocalypse could hit, and so you're storing your garage with water and food, and you're getting ready, right? If you are a little bit more on the realist side, you're going to make sure there's a fire extinguisher around. You're going to make sure there's jumper cables in your car. You're going to make sure there's a spare tire, and not just a spare tire, but the jack and the lug, and you're going to check it to make sure it all fits. So you're not, hypothetically speaking, last summer two hours away from Las Vegas, sitting on the side of a freeway with your RV with a flat tire, and that's when you discover you have the wrong jack and the wrong lug wrench. Theoretically. 
That happened to a family last summer. And that's on me. Because what could possibly go wrong out there? And uh, yeah, we've got a spare tire and we'll find a jack and yeah, blah, 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 blah. Then boom, and now you're stuck for six hours on the side of a road having to call for help. And I don't like calling for help. So we need to embrace the positive people in our lives and absolutely love them and embrace them. And the negative people will say the positive people, well, don't you care about anything? Don't you plan anything? Don't you wonder you know, what could happen and prepare? Positive people are like, eh, whatever, that's your job. The positive people tend to look at the negative people and say, well, you're kind of a downer and you're, you know, I don't know, Let, let's pep it up a little bit, right? Let's embrace each other. Let's embrace each other. I can't tell you how many people already today, this morning, a husband and wife team comes up. Yep, I'm the negative one. Yep, I'm the positive one. And then they hug and embrace and thank each other, right? If you're both perky and positive <laughs> as, a, as a married couple, um, you're going to have a ton of fun. It's going to be a party but you're going to get in some trouble. <laughs> your, your retirement is probably going to be in poverty, but you're going to have a great time living life. If, you, if you're two negative people, you're going to be sitting in your uh, sofa or your front porch just criticizing the entire world, and, you're, and that's just going to be you too, right? And you're, it's going to be great, and you'll have a, you know, tons of money in the bank, but you'll never have enough uh, energy to actually use that money and have any fun. So there's just there's different people different kinds of couples, different kinds of relationship, different kind of wiring, embrace it all. But what we're doing today is we're finding not the positive, not the negative, but we're finding what Jesus says, the good, focus on the good. Now, I love the definition of what could be a good focus found in Philippians chapter four, verse eight. It's a verse that, that many of us might've memorized growing up, and it's just about focusing on the good, the meaningful, the powerful. Listen to what it says. Fix your focus on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable, right? Think about these things. Focus on the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And that takes a little bit of a, a work. And actually, in the book of Philippians, there's, there's some teaching there that says, you know, with all the noise and all the arguments and all of the divisions in this world, we can click our focus into things that are really, really good, that bring light and life to our lives. Now, nothing against you know, the positive thinking mantras that we might have heard for a while, and, and they're still out there. They're not as popular as they were in the 70s and 80s, but in the 70s and 80s, it was all about this positive thinking. Uh, some of you are nodding your head who are my age and older. But in the 70s and 80s, there were two worlds that, was all, that were all about positive thinking, the business world and the church world. The business world had all these motivational speakers, and I have a whole list of names here, and I'm not going to talk about them. Some of them are still, you know, rocking it today. But these are motivational speakers selling motivational business books and having motivational business seminars. And people are buying these books like crazy, and they're buying tickets to these seminars like crazy. And these motivational business speakers are getting rich off their business, but the people who are buying their stuff are not. It's just kind of the way it goes, because motivation and positivity only get you so far, Right? Same thing in the church world. The church world, in many respects, was all about positivity in the 70s and 80s in particular, and it still lingers today. And you might have heard this, this phrase, it's a little bit of an old phrase, but like the power of positive thinking. Have you heard things like that? The power of positive thinking. And there, there were church movements, several of these big nationwide, even global church movements, that, that said, hey, if you're positive in your thinking and you're positive in your prayers and you're, you're positive in how you speak, God's gonna pour out blessing, right? He's gonna give it to you. And so there were these preachers and teachers 
training us how to pray with positive faith, how to pray with positive energy, how to speak positivity into existence, right? You might have heard this as kind of, you know, name it and claim it or health, wealth, and prosperity doctrines. Here was the promise. Some of you might have been raised in this. Think positively, pray positively, and speak positively, then God will fill your life with positive blessing. Have you heard that? Some of you are like, oh yeah, maybe I still even believe that. I'm not harassing you for that. I'm just saying be careful. Just be careful because these kinds of promises can really set you up for disappointment. I actually had a, a, a pastor confront me. This was probably three or four years ago. And he says, listen, you're, this is a similar type of theme, just kind of warning people about this kind of theology. And he says, listen, man, you got to free like the power of God in people. And if they pray right and have the right faith and the right words and speak the right thing into existence, like it's going to happen. There's going to be healing and there's going to be prosperity and there's going to be answered prayer if people pray the right way and have the right positive energy. And, And I had to look at this pastor and I said, listen, with all due respect, so many people have to put the pieces together of the lives that are ruined by that. Because follow me here. If your whole paradigm is based on, well, there's a good God who wants good things, and so if I focus on the positive things, this good God's gonna give me good things. And if I pray the right positive way and I have the right positive faith and I speak the right positive things into existence, then God is almost obligated by a promise to make it all happen. And I'm telling you, when it doesn't, the fall is great. The fall is great. And I can't tell you how often I am with people in person tears flooding their eyes when there's a health diagnosis or a relationship doesn't work out or their kids are destroying their lives or there's a financial crisis and they're saying, I've prayed to a good God and good things aren't happening. I think I'm kind of a good person and why would he be punishing me for this? There are real consequences to that kind of thinking, real consequences. If something doesn't work out, either God failed or I failed. And you can imagine the burden that that is. So we look at, at the scripture, the teaching of Jesus, and really the teaching of the entire Bible, and we say, you know what, that, that theology's not in there. What is in the Bible are these great examples, I mean tremendous examples, of how we can absolutely thank God for the positive, but brace for the negative that is sure to come. We don't want it to come. We'll fight the negative, but listen, it will happen. Tough times will come. That is part of the promise of God. I mean, let's just talk about Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is arguably the most famous verse in the entire Bible. It's read everywhere. Listen to what it says. Some of you could recite it. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. You think, wow, that's, that's pretty positive. And it is. He lets me rest in green meadows. That's pretty cool. He leaves me besides peaceful streams. Nice. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. So far, we're in good vibe territory, right? This is all positive. This is gonna be a great psalm. But I will walk through the darkest valley called the shadow of death. Well, that went south in a hurry. Right? And so, yeah, there's this acknowledgement that, yeah, God is good and there's good things that are happening and I'm gonna enjoy when I experience times of peace. And I'm gonna enjoy, you know, just living a life and things are going pretty well, but I'm also gonna brace because David, the writer of this psalm, was being chased. People were out for his head. He was gonna be murdered by an army of 600 people. So he's saying, I am walking through this valley called the shadow of death. And so he knows, even for someone who was trying to honor God, even though he was someone who was trying to be positive, he knows that he's walking through a tough time. 
And listen, tough times happen, right? But then how does David emerge here? Even then I will not be afraid for you're close beside me. Now what is his focus? His focus is on the good. God, you are with me. Even though I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. So David absolutely thanks God for the positive. He braces himself for the negative, but then he focuses on the good. God, you are with me. And I thank you for that. And that gave him the strength to move forward, right? To summarize it this way, sometimes um, bad things just happen. And some people don't like to hear that in church. Sometimes in church we wanna hear, how can I get God to make sure that bad things don't, get, don't happen? How can I pray right and do the right things and God, I'm going to church, God, I'm doing all kinds of good things for you. Please don't let, let bad things happen. I'm praying, 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 don't let bad things happen. But listen, it's a broken world and sometimes bad things just happen. There's a two word version of that I can't say in church. But it's true, right? Sometimes bad things just happen. That's what Jesus himself said, right? As Carissa said earlier, she's reading through the Gospels. What do we focus on? Well, I'm going to tell you Jesus' sales pitch. He's, he's gathering disciples. He's gathering followers. First, the core dozen, and then 70 and 120, then hundreds, then thousands. He's gathering his disciples. You want to see his sales pitch? Here's Jesus' motivational speech at the beginning of his message to gather people to follow him. He says, well, me, the son of man, must suffer many terrible things. You in? He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law, and he will be killed. This is Jesus' motivational speech to get people to follow him. And then he looks to the crowd. He says to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, deny your selfish ways, take up your cross every single day. You mean the Roman cross, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the equipment of execution? And follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. You in? <laughs> you talk about lowering expectations. Jesus says, listen, if you follow me, just know I'm going to be dead. If you follow me, just know what I'm going to say is I'm going to ask you to deny yourself. I'm going to ask you to maybe, you know, not think about yourself all the time, but then put other people even ahead of you sometimes. And this is going to be what I call dying to yourself. Are you in? And so the sales pitch of Jesus isn't all positive, fluffy unicorns. It's not all negative either. Yes, this part was negative, but if you read other places in Luke chapter 9, you'll see Jesus saying, you know what, we're going to do some cool stuff together. We're going to do some really good things. We're actually going to change the world together. And so this idea of focus is not just all on positive, positive, positive. That's a trap of being disillusioned because now your expectations are in the toilet and did God fail, did I fail? We're not talking about being all negative either and just being realistic and oh, woe is me and things aren't gonna work out. And, and no, it's, it's about embracing both. If you're a positive person with positive thoughts, fantastic. You know, work on being realistic as well. If you tend to be a little bit more negative and you have more negative thoughts and you're a worrier and you're planning for worst case scenarios and you're bearing the burdens of this world pretty uniquely, you know, that is how God has uniquely wired you. In many ways, you're, you're, you're allowing the heart of God that hurts for this world to be embodied in, in who you are and how you live and how your perspectives are. Just don't get trapped in negativity. That can be, that can be pretty bad as well. And there's a lot of help available, uh, info at rancho.tv if you need to reach out. But what is the good? What is the good? And I'm gonna close our time with Romans 12, 12, and we're gonna memorize this together. And again, I usually don't do this. I don't like people telling me what to do in church, but today we're doing something a little extra. 
Romans 12, 12 is very simple. And you'll see the positive, you'll see the negative, and you'll see the good. Ready? Be joyful in hope. There's the positive. Be patient in affliction. There's the negative. And be faithful in prayer. Super, super simple. Be, hopeful in, uh, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. We're gonna say that three times together. You ready? If you refuse to be told what to do in church, I'm with you. I totally would not participate right now. But let's say this together. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Embrace the positives of life, right? Embrace those, thank God for those. Embrace that there could be afflictions to come. It's gonna happen, it's realistic, it happens to all of us. But in it all, focus on the good. God, I wanna be faithful in prayer. And when we talk about prayer, we're just talking about our daily relationship with God. We're not necessarily talking about, you know, 15 minutes, half an hour in formal prayer. We're talking about that life just lived with God and just having thoughts of God and acknowledging God. And sometimes that's focus time in prayer, uh, you know, eyes closed, heads bowed, but it's really more about just living a life with God of faithfulness, whether things are positive or things are negative. Let's say it a second time. Say it with a little more gusto, ready? Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. That's our focus. One more time, let it out, ready? Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Let's pray. God, we thank you for our morning to focus a little bit on the teaching of Jesus that teaches us to focus on the good. If our eye, if our focus is on the good, our whole life will be filled with light. And God, we have to confess that in our day, in our age, uh, given what we've gone through these last two plus years, um, God, even the turmoil of this past decade in many respects, that, that a lot of us are just weary a lot of us are tired, emotionally tired. A lot of us have lost energy. A lot of us have lost focus. And God, we might be just swirling. Our heads might be swirling with all kinds of thoughts and, and emotions. We may not be focused on a, on a path of clarity about where we wanna put our time and where we wanna put our attention and the kind of life and the kind of family we wanna we want build, the kind of workplace we wanna build, the kind of friend we wanna be, the kind of walk with you we wanna have. So. So God, we, um, we just pray that over these next five weeks that you would give us clarity. Give us clarity through your word, through the teaching of Jesus specifically. Give us the ability to embrace the positive things in our life, whether we're bent to be a positive person or, or not, just give us that focus to thank you for all the good and positive things that, that are in our lives. And that list is very long. I pray that we would absolutely be joyful in hope. I pray that we would also be patient in affliction as well. For those who are even on the more positive side to just be ready, to be braced, that things don't always work out the way we plan and things don't always work out the way we hope and our prayers are not always answered the way we want them answered. So God, give us patience in affliction. That we might know that afflictions come, trials come, struggle comes, loss comes, but in it all, help us to be faithful in prayer which simply means to be steady, to be strong, because our focus is, is on you. The way Jesus' focus was on you when he was struggling facing the cross, the way King David was focused on you when he was being sought uh, to be murdered. Um, God, that we would understand that sometimes we do walk through a valley of the shadow, but we emerge from that with a focus that you are with us, you never leave us, you never forsake us, that whether things are good or whether things are bad, we can focus on this good truth 
that you are here, that you love us, that we are yours, that you declare us your perfect daughters, your perfect sons, that you embrace us just as we are, that you love us more deeply than we can possibly imagine, and let that be our foundation under our feet. In Jesus' name we pray. 